And to find your seats, if you'll turn with me, kind of in the middle of your Bible, we're going to be looking at the prophet Jeremiah, uh, known as the weeping prophet, uh, right there, kind of past the Psalms. Uh, that book will be in Jeremiah chapter 29 today. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, there's one in front of you in the pew there. Also, the words will be on the screen as well. Uh, this morning, we are continuing our series here in the fall uh, of being a faithful witness what does it mean for us, the church, to be faithful to our great God in the midst of a dark world? And again, today we're going to hear from God, uh, from his word. We're asking to speak and to be a faithful witness seeking the welfare of our community. Well, certainly all eyes have been on Israel and the Middle East uh, ever since those horrific attacks by Hamas uh, in Israel and the declaration of war that Israel has made on Hamas uh, starting back in October 7th. I mean, each day seems to have more drama is what is unfolding. Certainly scary times. But we know that's a very volatile area, is it not? I mean, nearly 600 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, a Jeremiah was speaking to God's people. Uh, Israel was at war. They were at war with King Nebuchadnezzar uh, and his reign in Babylon. And so uh, God was telling his people through Jeremiah, listen, quit it, stop it. Will you quit worshiping false gods? I'm your God, you're my people. Will you quit doing the wrong things? Stop it, pursue just me. And I love what Jeremiah says. He says this continually, thus says the Lord. So these are God's words. He says, listen, if you repent, I will relent. If you repent, I will forgive you. I mean, but you're just chasing after the wrong things. But sadly, the message to repent has fallen on deaf ears. So Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, and rightfully so, because, man, everything he preached, he was... He was ridiculed for. As a matter of fact, God's people did not only not repent. They said, let's kill Jeremiah or let's just treat him poorly. They, they, they descended him into a pit, uh, into like a cistern. He sinks into the mud. They burned up his writings. I mean, they didn't want to hear it. Um, and they didn't want to hear from God. And they certainly did not repent. What he preached, it fell on deaf ears. And now... Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, he is writing to the exiles in Babylon. Here, don't miss this. He's writing to prisoners of war. He's writing to those God's people that have been kicked out of the promised land, and now they are in Babylon. You read through the Bible, you realize Babylon is not the place that God's people want to be living. It's a foreign land, it's a distant land, it's a pagan land. And yet God has a word for his people, even in exile. He's going to tell them, here, I know that you are living in a place you don't want to live. I know you're living in a time you don't want to live. But this is how you are to live, even as exiles. Church, many of us feel like we're living in exile. Many of us feel like we're living in a foreign land, or at least a, a different land than we knew, uh, a different land that we grew up in. But how are we to live? Well, God tells them there's some words for us. How are we to be a faithful witness at this time, in this place? If God was calling his people to be a faithful witness in Babylon, he's certainly calling us 
to be a faithful witness here in Central Florida. So here's what we're going to do as we look through Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 14. We're going to see these things. God's sovereign hand has placed us where we are. God calls us to build a community right where we are. God tells us, uh, tells us to seek the peace and prosperity of our community right here. God tells us not to be deceived by false prophets, and God has a plan and a future hope for us. Let's hear these words that the prophet Jeremiah, anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit, spoke back then and continues to speak to us today. The word of the Lord found in Jeremiah 29, beginning in verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts to the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare. Maybe if you have an NIV translation, it's the peace and prosperity of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its peace and prosperity or welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I'll hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Well, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we do pray that you would speak. That you would speak through a broken sinner like me. That you would speak in a way that we would understand. God, Jeremiah lived a long time ago. His people were experiencing some different things than we are today. But God, this is your word, and it's living and active, and it's true. It was for your people back in Babylon, and it's for your people here in Central Florida. So God, would you give us ears that could hear your voice, to discern that voice? Would you give us minds that would understand your, your word, even when we find ourselves in the prophet of Jeremiah's book? God, would you give us hearts that are soft and pliable in your hands, not stony cold filled with sin? Maybe you need to break our hearts so that we can embrace your word. But whatever you need to do, God, we ask that you would give us hearts that embrace your truth. 
that you would do all these things, Lord, so that we, your people, your church, could be a faithful witness, that we could walk in a manner worthy of your name. God, the things that I say that are wrong or just my opinion, please let those things, make those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But God, the things you have for your church this morning, use those things to help us be that faithful witness, lovers of Jesus, a city on a hill in the light of the world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The first thing we see in this letter, it's pretty amazing the way God speaks to his people. We see that God's sovereign hand has placed them right where they are. In verse 4, uh, he says it again in verse 7 and 14. God wants us to make sure that he knows that they are there, we are here by his design. Yes, they are in Babylon because of their own sin. Yes, they did not refuse to listen to God, and this is the results that he promised them and told to them. Yes, they are there because they are, and they were knuckleheads, not following after God's word. But what is also equally clear, it was God's hand himself was the one who put them there. Isn't that interesting? God is the one who bring them there, or brought them there. They were there because of that sin, but God still, sovereign hand still rules. How many of you are native Floridians? Wow, there's more than I thought. Pretty good. How many of you are not native Floridians? How many of you grew up in the great state of New York? I know there's many of you. Yes, indeed. So no matter if you were born and raised here like my beloved wife Katie and our four children, or you came from some other place, uh, listen, we are all here by God's design. Yeah, we made a lot of decisions. Things happened in our lives. There were some twists and turns in our lives. Some things we want to say that we had no control over. But no matter what, I'm telling you, you and I are here by God's design. We're here because of God's sovereign hand. Uh, we are here. We too have been carried here by God. And we are here for a reason. Uh, we are here for God, by God's design, we are here to live in this community, in this time, for his glory. Church, we cannot miss this. God has placed us here. God has placed us here at this time, this place, for a reason. For the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor. We are here by God's design. We are here because of his sovereign hand. We are here, ultimately, all of us, individually and corporately, for God's glory for his renown for our neighbors our friends our family our community to know and love him that's why we're here we're to be the aroma of christ we are to be these peculiar people in love with god who see jesus is not just savior but king we're to live for something bigger than ourselves for his glory and our neighbor's good and we are to be recognized by the way we love one another by the way we serve our community we are here for God's glory. I tell you, as Americans uh, hearing every day of our lives in one way or another, uh, the uh, American dream, uh, oftentimes we think we're here for ourselves or building our own name, building our own reputation, living for the weekend or, or trying to have our retirement as big as we can have it. We are here by design for God. He has called us to himself for himself. He has placed us here 
so people know how amazingly glorious and wonderful he is. And he wants us to tell him we are here for him. But God calls us right here to build a community right where we are. And I love this because, remember, he's telling this to his people in Babylon. I mean, he's telling them in exile. They, you would think they had every reason to say, gosh, God promised in 70 years we're back home. Let's just chill. Uh, let, let's just, you know, kind of wait until God does something. But no, he says, build homes and settle down. Put down roots and make a home. So church, oftentimes we say, hey, we're just strangers passing through. Our true home is with the Lord. That's true. Our true home is to come. That's true. But he wants us to make a home today. He wants us to put down roots now to make a home. Even in Babylon, God was calling his people to build a community. Even when everyone else didn't embrace that community, didn't believe what they believed, were, were against them, even when they were prisoners of war, God says, I desire my people to build a community. More than that, just that, he says, listen, plant gardens and eat the produce. Don't just build a home, make a living. Uh, make a living here. Uh, you are to work. God called them to work in Babylon. Don't just sit back and wait. God calls us to work here. Last week, I preached on the cultural mandate. We looked at the very beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, that God made us in his image, that God made us to have dominion. God blessed us to, to multiply, to rule for him, to bring light into darkness, to bring order to the void, to bring beauty or, or, or to the chaos, beauty to the void. That's what we are called to do, uh, to build a life, build a home, all for God's glory. He tells them, listen, marry and have children. And have your children marry and have children. Why? Create a legacy. I mean, again, it's, it's mind-blowing to me. Create a legacy even when you feel like you're in exile. Even in Babylon, uh, you should be multiplying, growing, putting down roots, making a living, creating a legacy. Listen, as a family goes, so goes a society. Now, specifically, for those of you who are single, that doesn't mean that you're not an incredible value part of society in the church. You are with incredible gifts to give. But the truth is, is as families go, so often goes society. Is it not true? So God is saying to uh, his people, even in Babylon, build a family. Um, build a community. Multiply and do not decrease. Have an impact. Again, how do we multiply? Well, thank you, JP and Kyla. You, we are multiplying the church as you bring Miley here, uh, as we are being fruitful and multiply. That's the way the kingdom is advanced. But how else do we multiply? How did Jesus tell his disciples and us at the end of the Gospel of Matthew? We are to multiply by making disciples, right, of all people. Uh, we are to tell others of Jesus. We are, church, we are to grow. Healthy things grow. I know that we live in a soil right now, in a community right now that's skeptical of the church, and probably rightfully so in many ways. We live in a time where, where belief and belief in truth has been watered down. Um, but we are called as the church to be healthy, to build homes, communities, uh, to put down roots, legacies, and to multiply. 
uh, multiply, to grow. Healthy things grow. Uh, how do we build a Christian community in the midst of our community? That's the question the Christians have wrestled with. Do we become Amish or uh, do we become uh, Mennonite and create our own uh, community that says shuns the community, says, no, we want to distance ourselves from community. We want to make sure that we aren't soiled by community. We don't want to reflect too much community. So we got to create a Christian subculture. Now, there's a lot of reason to think, well, maybe that's what we should do. I mean, let's just, I mean, look, the world out there is crazy, is it not? How in the world, I mean, if we get too close to them, it won't, won't it affect us? But it isn't interesting that God says, listen, build a community right where you are to bless your community. How do we do it? We become a vital community in the midst of community. We grow, and we grow in the knowledge of Jesus. We become a city on a hill. We become the light of the world. I want you to picture with me just what if this were true. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the church really bore the fruit of the gospel so much that our community asked the question, what would we do without the church? Where would we be without the church telling us the truth? Where do we go without the church feeding those in need? Where would we go without the church counseling those that are broken? Where would we go without the church providing and loving and caring and pointing us to Jesus? Where would we be Longwood without King's Chapel? Where would we be Central Florida without King's Chapel? I mean, my heart just swells. Oh, Lord, please the day to have that kind of impact for you. We live in a dark world, but we're to be the light of the world. And we are to, we are to be God's change agents for our world. We aren't here just to build walls and throw rocks at the world and tell them how bad they are. We're telling them good news of how much God loves sinners like us. But not only that, God calls us to seek, and, <laughs> seek the peace and prosperity of our community. This should again be, I mean, I, I could imagine the first time that they read these words from Jeremiah in Babylon, Babylon, where God's people all of a sudden heard God say, by the way, I want you to seek the peace and prosperity of Babylon. They're like, you got to be kidding me. Don't we just make Molotov cocktails and throw them at them? I mean, don't we just try to mess with them? I mean, you really want us to seek the peace and prosperity of these people? Remember, they were in Babylon carried there because of their sinfulness. They're living as captives in a foreign land, and yet now God's still saying to them, I want you to be a blessing to those captors. That have you. I want you to be a blessing to them. Seek the welfare, the peace and prosperity of the city in which I sent you. By the way, the word shalom here, this word peace of the city, it's, it's more than just ceasing of war. Uh, the root meaning of this verb really better is expressed with the concept of completeness, wholeness, harmony, fulfillment. Here's what God is saying. I want you to I want you to bless this community so much of its wholeness, its fulfillment um, in all areas, not just the ceasing of war. Wow. Seek the welfare of our community. What an unbelievable call to seek the peace and prosperity of Babylon, to seek the peace and prosperity of our country, our world right now. How do we do it? How do we seek the peace and prosperity of our community? 
by being that which God called us to be, being salt and light in in our world, by our word and deed, the way we love him and the way we love our neighbor. Their only peace is Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the God of Peace. There is no peace without him. So how do we seek the peace and prosperity of our community? We bring our community Jesus, the God of Peace. The only one who can let us have peace with a holy God. And we also need to pray for our community. Let me ask you a question. Honestly, don't raise your hand. Don't answer it out loud. Just in your mind. How many of you have prayed for our community? I bet you most of us complain about our community. We complain of all the things that are done wrong, all the things that are are messed up, whether that's from the leaders above us, the neighbors next to us. Um, or whatever that's broken around us, it's amazing how much we can echo everybody else's cry of complaint. God has us here to be a difference maker. And part of that is to pray for our community. Let me challenge you, church. When you want to say something negative about our community, go to prayer. Pray for it. Say, God, you've asked me to seek the peace and prosperity, the, the welfare of this community. Help me. Teach me, how, how, what do you want me to do with this community? Incredibly, God says, we find our welfare and our community's welfare. The more the kingdom of a God is advanced here, the more the gospel bears fruit. Does that make sense, right? The more the kingdom's advanced, the more the gospel bears fruit. The more the gospel bears fruit, the more peace and prosperity we all have in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's just the reality of of what we are to do. We are to seek that welfare, and it comes around to us. The more there's peace, the more the gospel bears fruit, the more our homes, our families are safe in Christ Jesus. God tells us not to be deceived by false prophets, verses 8 through 9. And here's, here's, there's so much to say here. But he's, he's saying to his people, listen, you're in a foreign land, And there's a lot of people that are telling you the wrong reason why you're there. There's a lot of people telling you why you're there and what you need to do to get out. But I'm not talking to them. You want to say, how do I know? I mean, how how do I know who to listen to? And I I mean, right now, how do you not know, how do you know who to listen to? Because a lot of people say, well, listen, this is what's happening right now in the Bible. And if you look at this, you can link it to that. And you can link it over here. And it really goes around to that. And it's got to be over here. And you want to say, well, wait a minute. Is that really true? I mean, again, there's, there's a lot of people who have studied God's word that, that will say, well, you know, this has got to happen or that has got to happen. We have to be good Bereans. L- l- let me tell you, when, when Paul was on one of his missionary journeys, uh, he went to a place called Berea. And Berea was better than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because they listened to Paul and they said, okay, Paul, you tell me about this Jesus. We're going to look at scripture. We're going to make sure that what you're saying is in God's word. And if it's not, we're not going to believe it. And, and Paul said, good for you. You're noble. You're taking what you're hearing. You're looking at Scripture. So that's one of the first things we got to do. we got to look at Scripture. And you're going to say, well, they know a lot more than I do. But let me just tell you, I think the church has got to be a little leery uh, about everyone's word of what is happening. Be good Bereans. What is happening? Listen, what, what do we know? Uh, we know that God wins. Uh, we know the reality that, that in Christ Jesus there is victory. But we've got to be careful uh, that we're just 
hearing anything that someone says and saying, oh, this comes from the Lord. Does it really? We need to examine Scripture every day. Be careful not to take things out of context. And prophecy is tricky. But we also know it's all fulfilled in Christ. All right. I got more to say in that. Let's just keep going. God has a plan and a future hope for us. God has a plan for us. God has a plan for you individually. He has a plan for us corporately. If, now listen, watch this. If God has a plan, we discover that plan, we don't create it. Does that make sense? If God has a plan for us, and God has a plan for you, it's not our job to create that plan and give it to God and say, bless this. It's our job to seek him and get on our knees and say, God, what is it? What do you have for me? And what do you have for us? Now, because we're Americans living the culture like we do, um, we have a tendency to read all of God's promises so individually. And they are individually. But he's talking to his people. And he's saying, listen, I have a plan for you. He's got a plan for us, King's Chapel. We're part of his bride of Christ. We're maybe a little small part of his bride of Christ, but he's got a plan for us. And it's a, it's a great one. And we should be praying, God, what is your plan for us? How do we honor you? Would your plan be done? Not, not my will, not yours. Your will be done for King's Chapel. And your will be done in our lives individually. That's just the reality. How do we discover that? We seek him. He says, seek me with your whole heart to discover that. Spend time with me. Get on your knees. Open up my word. Don't create a plan and ask me to bless it. Seek me and say, what do you have for me? I mean, there's, there's a, God's going to work in a way that he keeps things. He says, we see dimly. Is that not true? And he sees clearly. And I think it's part of his grace that we see dimly. What does that mean, Jeff? It means that we continually have to seek God. Daily deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. And if he, if he gave me the plan right now for King's Chapel uh, and all of it starting tomorrow, and I knew it all, and he gave me a plan for my life, and I knew it all crystal clear, you know how much I would need him? You know how much I would seek him? I'd say, okay, I got it. Now it's all about me to make this happen. Not only does he have a plan, he wants to work with us to unfold that plan. And he wants us to empower us to find that plan. And he has the wisdom not to show us around the corner so that we walk by faith. Does that make sense? He doesn't give it to us all at once. We couldn't handle it. And we'd mess it up. So, but he has a plan for us. And he has a, a future hope for us. The best is still yet to come. Don't buy a book that says your best life is now. It's a lie. It's not, okay? It's not. The best life is to come when sin's presence is gone from us, when Jesus is literally with us physically. But we do have a future hope. Uh, we aren't home yet, but he will bring us home. He promises, and his promises are true. Okay, I told you that Babylon, um, bad place. You know where ba Babylon is in modern day? Iraq. But guess who was, I'm reading through the end of Jeremiah. You get the end of Jeremiah, and God's saying, by the way, Babylon, you're going down. You're toast. You think, you're, you think you got it all? You are going down, too. I'm bringing judgment on you. And guess who he uses to bring judgment on Babylon? It's the Medes. And guess who the Medes are? Iran, the Persians. And isn't it interesting that all that in that one area, I mean, that's been a battle. 
I mean, Babylon was raised up. Persia was raised up. Israel has been raised up. Um, they have been fighting, you know, who's who in that whole land. But here's the reality that our God rules and reigns over all of it. And I promise you the kingdom of God is here and it will advance and Jesus does win. And so we got to be praying for the future, praying for that future hope, and saying, God, use me. Uh, God, help me understand all these times. But if you get lost in the minutia and you get lost and this means that and that means this, oftentimes it takes our eyes off of God and we puts us on a man or puts us on a specific thing. Let's just trust. And again, I know I'm nebulous with this because I can't give you more than that. But we have a future hope. Jesus conquered death and he conquered the grave. We're in good hands. Nail-pierced hands. We're going to make it home. Not because we're smarter, because he doesn't lose sheep. All of them find their way home, because he's not going to let one of us go. We have a future hope today. The best life isn't now, it's still to come. Emmanuel life, God with us now, but the best is still to come. No matter what happens, God has a future and a hope for his people. Hear that again, no matter what happens happens god has a future hope for his people be of good cheer god is in control i promise you he's not wringing his hands thinking oh my goodness you know what's going to happen i mean when, when are they going to go into uh the gaza strip oh my goodness this is this what 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 what's iran going to do and what's going to happen and what, what's what's russia gonna, is china going to do something i mean what, what's going to happen and he's not up there wondering oh man uh, this is going to be interesting I, I i hope it all works out God is sovereign over all things. Time unfolds. There's a mystery to it. God's ways aren't our ways, Isaiah 55. God's thoughts aren't our thoughts. I mean, sometimes I want to tell him he's, he's doing the wrong thing. He should be doing something different. And he says, who the heck are you? I'm like, oh, you're right. <laughs> Oops. But God is in control. Do not fear. Do not fear. Many right now are just in fear. I mean, listen, it's scary times. It is scary. But our hope is in him. We need to seek him for his plan, seek his kingdom first. And as I close, let me remind you, Jesus himself endured the pain of exile. Jesus himself endured the pain of exile, but not because of his own sins, but because of our sins. And he endured the greatest pain of exile on the cross when his father turned from him. He came to seek the peace and the prosperity of his people, and Jesus did it at great cost to himself so that we could have peace with holy God and a future hope. He came to save us and make us a faithful witness to his love and salvation. To be a faithful witness that God has called us to be, we must seek the peace and prosperity of the community that God has placed us. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the God of Peace. Church, we need to bring Jesus to our community. They desperately need him. We need to be his people, his hands and feet. We need to seek the peace and prosperity of our community by bringing the kingdom of God here. We need to seek first the kingdom and when the gospel bears fruit around us, the community will be blessed with peace and prosperity, and so will we.
We must seek that as a church. We must seek it individually. The reason that we have a fall festival, it may seem stupid. The reason we send out 10,000 flyers to our community, inviting them here, ultimately is to seek the peace and prosperity of our community. Are you telling me that a cone of shaved ice seeks the peace and prosperity of our community and a free hot dog and hamburger? No, but I'm telling you, Jesus does. And I'm telling you, if they could get here and feel something different, the Holy Spirit here, and maybe they'll come back and hear the word of God. I promise you we are doing this to seek the peace and prosperity of our community for the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor. The reason we have ministry partners like Choices, the Sharing Center, is to seek the peace and prosperity of our community. We do it corporately, we do it individually for the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbors. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for Jeremiah. Oh, man, what a difficult calling he had. A weeping prophet. Lord, he told the people that if they didn't repent, they would be sent into exile, and they were. They didn't listen. He wound up being kidnapped and taken to Egypt because God's people thought there might be safety down there, and they weren't. God, he was not treated right by foreigners, and at times, oftentimes treated better by foreigners than his was his own people. But God, you touched his tongue, to speak your words and your truth to your people in a dark time, even when they were in Babylon. And God, you're speaking through him to us today. That you're telling us that we need to seek the peace and prosperity of our community. That we need to build a community right here. A community that reaches our community. A community in love with you and in love with one another. God, you didn't call us to be your own and make us your own to put us on a shelf to look good. You called us to be your ambassadors. You've called us to be difference makers. You've called us to be light in darkness. You've called us to be beauty. You've called us to bring order. You've called us to advance your kingdom. Oh God, you have a plan for us, your church. Bless us, Lord. Strengthen and empower us with your spirit and your word. May we seek the peace and prosperity of this community for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.